with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan I can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gonna relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? How does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, welcome back to another Slayer-tastic, vampire-rific episode of Fan Holes. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and we are here for our month-long coverage of Fan Holes Fright Fest. And in case you haven't figured it out, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer episodes. We've got two lined up for you. In the first half, we're going to be talking about the episode The Wish. And then in the back half of the show, we're going to be talking about Once More with Feeling. But I'm not alone tonight. Joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike. Ah, bunnies. Hey, this is Justin, and don't give me songs. Don't give me songs. Yeah, so we're here, and, and this was... I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to sort of explain this. This was not, it, it was never going to be, I don't think, I think we all kind of agreed this was never going to be a, we each bring an individual favorite episode. I think it was more like we sort of collectively decided like what we were going to talk about. And I I mean, honestly, like I can't think of something that's that's more of a Mike type episode than the Buffy episode, The Wish. And I'll just kind of, you know, basically go into the, the you know, little backlog of, of what the episode was about. But it aired December 8th, 1998, directed by David Greenwald. It is from the third season, episode nine of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And the synopsis, according to the Buffy verse wiki, is be careful what you wish for. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Cordelia, wanting to be rid of all things Xander and his spooky entourage, decides that all of her troubles started when Buffy Summers moved to Sunnydale and wishes that historic event never actually happened. Not knowing that... Uh, some of these synopses like seem weird to me, and I, I didn't read through this before, but anyway, not knowing that an evil genie would grant her fateful wish. I don't think she's really a genie. She's a fucking wish demon, but whatever. Shitty Buffy verse wiki synopsis. Cordelia is transported into an alternate reality in which the Hellmouth is opened and the Master is alive and ruling with Willow and Xander as his undead minions. So yeah, basically this is kind of like a... You know, what if uh, Buffy Summers never came to uh, Sunnydale and and all the, you know, kind of dystopian apocalyptic 
esque you know uh, turns that that world has taken and again just to reiterate this i i feel like this is like a super duper like example of a, a favorite mike episode you know because this this is like uh, to me like this just seems like a trope that's like right up your alley i mean i don't know if it started with this or something else but it seems like you you definitely gravitate towards these type of episodes and they they can be fun definitely right like for for the actors involved right they get to play against type maybe you know it's it's almost like you know, at least with Xander and, and Willow, right? It's almost like a, a Star Trek Mirror Universe episode where they get to be sexy and evil and, you know, they, they, again, things that are against uh, what, what they are normally expected to portray week after week. Yeah, like I, I absolutely adore whenever they do this in any kind of like serialized fiction, like I call it, like the one-off everyone dies episode or installment or whatever, like, you know, that like this did it like you know gargoyles did it like the like transformers number 67 like you know this and any kind of time where they're like oh here's an alternate reality and like that gives us free reign to kill everyone basically or have them act in really disturbing or like off-center ways so like you said yeah and it, it seems like yeah it's fun for the actors involved because they get to like do all this like new stuff and whatever but yeah like i i'm trying to think i'm not sure if I saw the original airing of this, but I saw it like, like I started watching Buffy in season three, but I think it was like midway through season three. And this was like right at the midway point. So I think I might've seen it when it like repeated one week or something, but I, I didn't see it in its initial like airing, but I remember thinking, Oh man, this is awesome. Like, and yeah, like, you know, that, that whole last sequence where, you know, everyone dies basically is always like stuck out to me. Like I, you know, since I started watching in season three, like I never knew who like the master was or whatever. So like seeing him, I was like, oh, who the hell is this guy? And then like eventually I like clued in that, oh, it was like, oh, the master was like the big bad of like season one. He was like the ultimate vampire. And like, you know, he's a... Th he 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 always is like a joy to see come back and whatever cameos or whatever like flashbacks they have like you know of him like i always enjoyed his uh you know his actor uh, mark uh, metcalf like his take on the guy and just you know he's supposed to be ancient and evil but every so often he'll bust out like a one-liner or something like i i love when like he's showcasing like you know the the blood draining machine and like you know she's the girl's getting drained and he's like she she's still alive you see you know for the freshness you know <laughs> like he's just he's just great like like I love it. There's like another episode um when I think it's like the flashback episode where he meets like Angelus for the first time when like Darla brings him to like meet the master and like, you know, they run off together and like the master's like, I give it a century tops <laughs> like like that, that always made me laugh. So like, you know, like, you know, I, I have always loved uh, Mark Metcalf as the master and. Yeah, like this this is definitely one of my favorite episodes of the series. It's in my favorite season of the series. Like and I think I started to like appreciate like, you know, Cordelia as a character like starting with this episode and like it's it's weird because she, like, you know, it's kind of a shock that she dies like, you know, you know, yeah, 70% yeah, they, the way through it. So like, they, you know, they 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 sort of start the episode as like a a Cordelia vehicle almost and you you start getting into that comfortability of oh i get it cordelia's gonna tell all these guys they're gonna get buffy it's gonna reverse back to normal and everything will be hunky-dory but then you know that it's that atypical 
kind of weed and twist and turn where it's like, oh, nope, she's fucking dead, you know, like type thing. And you're just like, oh, well, I guess it's not going to go the way, you know, like if, if you're sitting there trying to predict the 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 story points or plot points and, and where it's all going to, you know, head. Right. It's like he, he he's pretty good at uh, pulling the rug out from under you and, and having it go into some direction that you didn't foresee uh, it going in and and uh, i i feel like that's been a you know so, something that's uh at least the primary strength for maybe both buffy and angel where they have the 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 you know the writing shops to do that where they they you know they they make you think they're headed in one direction and then they totally you know uh, do a you know 360 and and head in a completely opposite direction from where you you foresaw it going, you know, your emperor powers didn't work this time because Cordelia was uh, immediately like, I don't know, like when, when I was revisiting this, I'm like, I'm like, there's there's stuff in this that like maybe I didn't completely pick up on the first time. But it seems like very, uh, you, you know, the the sexual aspect of vampires, it's like they're having a three way chow down on Cordelia or some shit. And you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like anyway, so shit like that, I was thinking. And it looks like we've had a we we we've had an extra fan hole jump on the chat here. So, uh, hey, say what's up, Tony. Hey, what's up, Tony? <clears throat> so yeah, I I already told everybody we're talking about uh, Buffy episodes, but we're talking about the Wish right now. Is uh is this something like did you did you watch Buffy in like first runs? Like, is this an episode you were intimately familiar with, or is this just something you were kind of coming in to chime in about and talk about? Um, like, uh, I, I didn't really see like the first, like two seasons of Buffy. And I remember I was in Walmart one day and they had the, the full seasons, uh, the first two seasons like available. And I was like, you know what? I want to give this show a try. Why not? Why, why not? And I immediately was hooked. I, I bought both seasons. Um, this is back when like DVD sets for seasons were like ungodly amounts just for one season. It was like. 50 or 60 bucks and i got into it from that and i started watching the third season proper like you know kind of late into it but i did see this this episode when it uh first aired because it was like right around christmas time it was like late in december and it really like really kind of shocked me I, li I liked the twist where like you know you think oh you know like like i you know you're you're saying oh boy a bashir episode is like oh so it's a cordy episode and i like cordelia don't get me wrong and I was like, okay, that's cool. She's she's going to be our plot, you know, driver. She's going to make sure everything. And then it turns into kind of like a Giles episode. And like, I was like, well, this is interesting because like Giles becomes the guy who uh, kind of has to fix everything. And, and like Buffy is not even really the main character because Buffy's all like cynical and and uh, she's very cold. She's not, you know, she doesn't even care about Angel when he gets hacked. She's just like, oh well, you know, I saved him, but. He's not the main target, so fuck him. So it, it was, it did, it did have that Marvel Comics what if vibe where, like, you know, everybody dies. There, there is, there's an ending that's not really happy, but it's not really sad. I mean, everything goes back to the way it was, but you do see all your favorite characters die. Like, I think the only person who, like, lives out of that little uh, scuffle at the end, uh, Oz, I think, lives. And uh, Giles, of course, lives because he, he writes the wrong. But, like, yeah, you see, like, the main cast die. And it's just like, oh, they did that. And it was really cool. I mean, it, and, and, of course, 
like any good mirror universe, there's like different takes on some of the characters. You know, you, you already talked about um, Xander and Willow being kind of like, you know, more gothy and, and the, the evil versions of themselves. But even Buffy, like she's got dark circles under her eyes. It's like, like in this universe, she's just a slayer nonstop, 24-7. Like, you know, when Giles gets a hold of her, she's like off in like Chicago or something, like taking care of some vampires there. She, like, this is her whole life. And she has grown cold to it. She's just like, this is what I do. I don't care. I kill vampires. That's who I am. And it, yeah, it, it's it's a nice like you know turnaround. And, and everybody plays their parts really well. Like Xander hams it up appropriately. Willow's just fucking nuts. Um, you know, all the characters, you know, their their alternate selves are are just as good as any other. You know, like Mike was saying, any other alternate reality. So yeah, yeah. When I when I first saw this, it was. It was nice that I saw I saw it when I did because I had all this backlog that I just got through, and I was familiar with these characters. And then, bam! After getting to know these characters, it's like, oh, okay, they're, they're all dead in this this part of the, the the episode. You know, they're gonna you know they're gonna fix it, but at the same time, how they get there is definitely still enjoyable. It's like it doesn't matter if you know the ending if it entertains you on the way to the to the climax. You know. The the other thing, speaking to what Mike had said before, like that bit about the master saying the blood was for the freshness, like what st stood out to me in this viewing was, I was kind of like, man, like Blade must have really been in the zeitgeist at the time. You know, like I think Blade had come out a few months earlier before this episode. And I'm, I, I know, I know they have to like, you know, prep these shows in advance and everything, but still I, I kind of feel like that aspect of this, you know, the whole, you know, mass production aspect, like, you know, certainly felt like uh, some something that was a little blade inspired, you know, like, especially for this particular episode. But uh, what about you, Justin? Like, like, what's your kind of track record with Buffy? And, and uh, you know, I guess maybe how did you come to this particular episode? I started watching early in season one. Just uh, flipping through the channels one night, and I was like, oh, yeah, I read somewhere they were making a Buffy TV show. I don't know why, because the movie was terrible. But something about it kept my attention, and I, I just kept watching. And I do remember seeing this episode in its original airing. I was never a fan of Cordelia in Buffy. I think she's a character I didn't really appreciate until I got to Angel. And even then, I was like, oh, Cordelia is on Angel? Like... I don't know, like, she's kind of, like, my least favorite character, but the amount of growth she has on that show is great. Like, she's one of my favorite characters. And going back, rewatching some of his episodes, I see, like, a lot more things about that character I missed, you know, back when I was a teenager. But uh, this is a really fun episode. One of the reasons I love it is it introduces one of my favorite characters to Buffy, and that's Anya. I, I love Anya to death. And I... I thought it was weird when they brought her back you know like towards the end of the season she comes back and you know she's scared of the mayor and everything and she runs she wants to run away with xander and xander is like look you can run away if you want to but i'm not gonna like i'm gonna stay here and fight and then they, they just keep going with it like you wouldn't expect from like this one episode that feels like a one-off story like you wouldn't imagine what that you know not only would anya come back but she would join the cast and be super important to the show, especially for Xander. But um, I think Emma Caulfield's great. I love her sense of humor and just <laughs> like 
just the way that that character is like it she always cracks me up and makes me smile and i'll probably have more nice things to say about her when we talk about what's more is feeling but this is a fun episode kind of like mike i like these like dystopian bad end future episodes and i also really like whenever the master shows up because the first season of buffy was short like it wasn't you know 22 24 episodes it was only like what 13 so i always felt like there was more material with the master that they could mine and in the beginning of season two you think they're going to go that direction like you've got you know the anointed one or as spike calls him the annoying one before he kills him like you think they're going to resurrect the master and go for round two but they don't do that and it's a good subversion because you totally expect them to bring back the big bad and have a second round I appreciate that they didn't do it, but the master is such a fun character. He's entertaining. He's like Mike said, he's got these great like one-liners every now and then that just make him so fun to watch and everything. But anytime he, anytime he shows up for like a, like an episode like this, or if you're getting some backstory with like Angel and Darla and he shows up for that, like You've got my attention because, you know, like, like 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 I said, that's a character that I thought was fun. And anytime you get to see him again, you know, you're in for something nice. Another thing I like about this episode is it's Evil Willow's outfit. And it's nice in this episode. I think it's even better when they bring Evil Willow back later on. I think they realized they had gold there and they did this thing. You know, it's like it feels like a comic like almost retcon us like they go back and get her right before she dies and pop her out into the normal universe like that's a great episode but like i I, when i was in school i had like one friend that i could talk to about this series because like not a lot of people were really like into it or wanted to own up to it but like i had one friend in art class and he would watch it and we would usually discuss you know episodes or whatever but anyway kind of like how if you watch Tenchi Muyo, you have the conversation of like which girl you would pick, which girl you would go for. Like me and him had that conversation with like the the girls of Buffy, and he was all about like Buffy and Sarah Michelle Gellar, and I was like, okay, I, I respect that, but I'm a realist, and I know I'm not ever gonna be in Buffy's ballpark or anything. Like I'm like I'm gonna be like Xander in that show because I always felt like I was more in tune with Xander you know he was awkward dork and everything I'm like okay so like if I'm Xander which I kind of felt like I was in high school to some degree I'm like okay I'm not going to go for Cordelia because I don't like that personality I'm going to go for Willow because she's a redhead redheads are my kryptonite she's awkward and adorable so this is an argument that me and my friend had when we saw this episode and discussed it he was like he just kind of nodded his head. He was like, you see Willow's outfit? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, you, you have an argument there that I kind of see. <laughs> so I think this, like, whenever I watch this episode or the other one with Evil Willow, I kind of think of my friend just kind of nodding his head at me. He's like, I feel you now. I think I get the appeal because <laughs> he was all, like, you know, Team Buffy or whatnot. But, um, but yeah, like, this is a fun episode. I sat down and rewatched all of Buffy and Angel last year, so this was pretty fresh to me. But I, you know – these are great episodes that we're picking tonight, so I had no problem at all like going back and watching them for a second time. If it helps, Justin, I would probably be Oz because I really liked music when I was like, you know, in high school. I was still a lot of like metal and stuff, and 
also later on in life i ended up talking about toys and pop culture for over 10 years so there you go i'm just like Oz. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I will i will like i've no, i guess i'll get into this like when we talk about once more with feeling but it's like i've never really liked xander but i've always liked oz and like but i feel like you know i like uh, like Anya made me like Xander a little more, I guess. Like I liked their relationship, but I never liked Xander himself, basically. So I, I don't like Xander when he's like like first season and half of second season when he when he's like totally obsessed with Buffy, and he even though he she makes it clear that like she's pretty much Gaga for Angel, he still doesn't quite get it. Like he still thinks he has a chance, and it's I don't know. Like, I don't like that Xander, but, like, once he starts, like, you know, getting out there and he's with uh, Anya, like, I like that version of Xander. And then later on in the series, you know, they break up, which I think was one of the stupidest things the show ever did. Like, you feel for Xander, and then, like, the last season he loses his eye, and then, like, that episode where everyone turns on Buffy, like, I love that episode because, like, everyone just, like, puts Buffy in her place. Like, I mean, I, I get it. Like, Buffy's the star of the show, but, like, that was very cathartic because, like, when like when Buffy was, like, wanting to save Angel, Xander was the one who was, like, trying to talk her against that. And then when Buffy, is like, finds out Anya is back to her demon way, she's like, all right, well, we got to kill Anya. And Xander has, like, this great argument where he's like, you know, I remember us having this conversation with Angel, and you were on the opposite team for that. Like, and you're kind of like, well, yeah, Buffy's all, like, you know, self-serving and kind of selfish when it comes to these things. So, like, when they, like, everyone gangs up on her and shuts her down and gives command to, like, Faith, I was like, yeah. Like, that was such a, like, you know, that was one of those, like, hell yeah uh, moments. But, like, I, I get what Mike's saying, but I, I don't know. I still kind of feel like you know, if I was in the Buffy universe, like I would be Xander in some form or, you know, it's that whole like, you know, Xander is my spirit animal. I don't know. Sometimes he's a little too mean, a little too snarky, and he definitely likes to push people's buttons, especially Spike. So sometimes he's a little too much, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel for Xander, given, given what happens to him at the end of the series, like he's lost his eye and his fiance dumps him and then is killed in the final battle. Like, I kind of feel for the guy. Yeah. Well, it's like Xander does make me laugh on occasion. I just never, like you said, like, yeah, those first two seasons where he just, yeah, was like, you know, chasing after Buffy with it. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Like I do, I did, I do like the bit in this episode where they're doing like the fake laughter thing, like you know Cordelia's in the club like laughing, and then <laughs> yeah. Xander's trying to laugh like louder, like ha ha ha, you know, trying to make it look like he's having fun or whatever. Like that's funny, like. And I, I've always I've always loved the scene. I think it's in season four or five where Xander comes across Harmony and then they have a fight and it's like the like sissiest like slap <laughs> fight. Yeah. But it's got like this epic music to it. Like, <laughs> uh, I I love Harmony. She's one of my favorite characters. And she she's another character like that you you think is just some throwaway character. Like she's just a mean girl in high school. But she's there to she's there at the very beginning at the pilot episode, and then she's there at the end of Angel, and she goes from like mean girl to like Spike's love toy to she tries to be her own evil vampire, and that goes horribly. Like her minions turn against her, 
and then she ends up like trying to be tr- she tries to be a good person and then you see how that goes in angel but yeah like i i love xander or not xander i love harmony that's one of the reasons i love like the the buffy verse is they can introduce characters like anya or harmony you think they're just going to be like throwaway characters in one episode or like okay this is harmony she's a mean girl that's all she's ever gonna be we don't see her in college well she's gone nope she's she's not gone and she keeps evolving and that's that's what i love about the buffy universe is they do that and the characters don't stay static they keep changing and maybe i'll have some more to say about that and once more with feeling but like it, those are the things that make it feel more real even though it's you know fantastical and has supernatural elements and whatnot it's like okay they're in high school and all this crazy stuff is going on but they feel like real teenagers and you know like like in this episode you see the fallout of teenagers being teenagers you they willow and xander both have significant others that they're totally into but they just can't resist that temptation of like being with each other and you know for willow it's like when xander was all about buffy he couldn't see the willow was all about him and maybe it's because like he was too close to her you know they they grew up together sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees but then it's like you know you know tv high school drama it's like oh now now that he's got this great banging girlfriend now he sees what willow's all about and he can't resist that temptation and of course they get caught at the worst possible moment when they've been kidnapped and they're kissing and they get rescued by their you know significant others and that's the fallout we're seeing in this episode i will say one of the nicest progressions of xander uh i'll I'll give i'll give the character a little bit of a nod is that like you know those first like few seasons where uh angel you know is more mysterious and we don't get to know him like until uh you know uh like you know he, he develops his relationship with buffy you know xander is almost cringeworthy because he's trying to be tougher than angel and he's you know he even tries to like you know step up to angel sometimes you know it's like you know like if it wasn't for you you know and it, like you know angel just gives him that look and he immediately backs down he's like oh sorry sir but he progresses to where He's not trying to be tough to impress Buffy by, by like the midpoint of the show. He's trying to be tough because he is basically one of the weakest members of the Scooby gang. You know, Willow's got magic, you know, Buffy's a slayer. Um, you know, Oz is a werewolf, you know, um, even though he's not like a permanent member, like the only two members of the like Scooby gang that are pretty much like kind of helpless are, him and Cordelia for like most of Buffy, you know, Cordelia gets psychic powers later on, but that's like more angel. And like, you really like kind of see him progress into like, I have to be tough because these are my friends and I got to basically nut up and like not be a pussy. And it's not because they're trying to impress anybody. It's just because they're doing their part and I want to do mine. And, and that's, that's, that's commendable. You know, he, he, he wants to be a viable member of the team, which is, you know, pretty cool. You know, it's like, so I'll give him his props on that, that they do have a good progression with, uh, with Xander. Um, yeah, uh, one of the things I always liked about him is to make him feel like more like a real 
teenager or, or like real person. He doesn't go to college. He has this whole thing about like going on this road trip, which fails. And then he spends most of season four just like either hanging out in his basement and doing nothing or like working like one kind of like menial and demeaning job to the next. And he feels very lost, even though he's got Anya. It's like the rest of his life is just, he's not really doing much else except for hanging out. But then later on we see he really gets his shit together. He does, he does that whole like um, uh, construction job and he like gets super into that. And he, you know, he steps up and he's got his own apartment and he's living there with Anya. And that's pretty much his thing. I mean, they kind of joke about it in like the last season where like, you know, uh, the first keeps sending people to like attack Buffy's house where they're all holed up. And like Xander is the only one who who has the skill to like keep repairing the house. He's like, oh, well, I guess I'll pull out, you know, the old like square and the level and I'll fix the window while you guys make the battle plan. Like, I mean, that's maybe that sounds kind of lame, but like that that is kind of like Xander's skill is to be normal and handy in that situation because like no one else there could like repair like the front porch or, or any of those things but like i'm like you know what i respect that because a lot of people spend like their early like teen or a lot of people spend their like early years post high school like trying to figure out what they're going to do they don't quite get a handle on it and they spend a lot of time doing nothing or just kind of bouncing around from one thing to another so i kind of i don't know maybe maybe i'm reflecting a lot of my own like personal experiences on Xander, and that's why i feel like i have to like stick up for him a little bit but that that's kind of the way i see that yeah and then also to your point about uh anya or anyanka uh it is nice that uh buffy kind of has this dragon ball z ish like quality of like villains turning into heroes and like Anya joins the team, and and you know Spike, you know eventually joins the team. You know that that that's kind of a cool thing. That Anya like originally was like you know this uh, this antagonist, and she fully joins the team at one point, and she she's a part of the Scooby Gang. So I always like that kind of Dragon Ball Z ish like you know uh, rival fusion thing, where it's like you know I, you know I hate you, but you beat me, so now I am grudgingly your friend. And then, you know, by, by a certain point, it gets to the point where, like, you know, like Vegeta, you know, like, Anyaka's like, oh, my God, I, I'm, I'm calling Oz by his real name. <laughs> it's like, it's like they, they actually genuinely become friends. So I'll definitely give Anya, like, some uh, support uh, as far as being a cool character. She, she's pretty cool, too. I guess for me, like, about this episode in particular, like, the master being that generational archetype of vampires i mean i guess that applies to his appearance in that first short season as well but the you know the fact that he's kind of like the the old guard the nosferatu looking kind of vampire whereas you know guys like i guess in this case you know maybe xander and willow or you know spike and drew you know that's it, it's it's more of the you know the punk rock the you know, the, the, the interview with a vampire generation of vampires, like that kind of thing where they all look cool and quaff and, you know, attractive or whatever. Right. Whereas, you know, the master, it's like, he's just basically, you know, kind of the, the Nosferatu looking vampire. And then like you guys say, he gets to kind of crack jokes and everything, which is, you know, I mean, it, I, I, you know, again, th th this is a fun excuse to revisit that character in particular, right? Because you can't, 
you know, you can't sort of use the 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 dead big bad, you know, in future episodes. But when you you twist the universe around a little bit, you can, you know, you can get a, a an attempt to see those characters again. I guess I I don't know. Like I I was trying to think of of how to frame this, but the, the, when Justin brought up the 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 Buffy movie, right? Like that that to me is interesting because I don't. I don't often consider that my starting point with Buffy, but I guess it is my starting point with Buffy because it's like that was one of those movies where I was thinking about it this week. And I, I was like, you know, that that was like one of those movies like I, I went and saw it with my mom and like she liked those kind of movies. Like, I don't know if you remember the movie uh, Once Bitten with Jim Carrey. Like, it's like he's a he's a young teenager and uh, I think it's like Lauren Hutton. Lauren Hutton's like a vampirist and she basically is after like young virgins to prefer uh preserve her her youth and beauty and all this shit so it's like you know so of course she's after Jim Carrey who's like a you know I don't know 18 year old virgin or whatever it is you know and stuff like that and like I guess my mom just liked like silly like like you know it's like she liked things that were horrific and things like she liked dan rice and she liked hellraiser and she liked certain things tales from the crypt and stuff that was like serious legitimate you know halloweeny horror you know that, that we're talking about all this month but but she also kind of liked like you know like funny silly things too where the like i guess that's why i use that example of once bitten and i i guess i just draw that parallel to like that first buffy movie was you know i think whedon probably was trying to pitch what he pitched in the series but it got through the hollywood meat grinder and went oh nobody can take this seriously like what's funny about it you know the larrys were like it's a cheerleader it's a blonde cheerleader but she kills vampires it's hilarious like that's that was the joke right and like I think the reason why it was hard for me to ever glom on to the Buffy series was because I came from maybe that movie too, because it was like an SNL skit, you know, and it's like one of those things where, you know, sometimes SNL skits that uh, really, really work only work for those 10 minute skits. Right. And then, and then they try to turn it into like a full length feature film and you're like, Oh my God, this is horrible. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work as anything other than a 10 minute skit. And, and I kind of felt like, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have a decent understanding of Buffy. Like it was, it, it was one of those things where I had seen that movie and it was a funny little jokey thing. And that was the end of it. You know what I mean? And like, and then it seemed like it was this thing where it was very, very empowering for young women at the time too. And like, that was something that I picked up on that I noticed, but it, that wasn't enough for me to get into it. It was more like I used that to my advantage or something. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was just like, it was like that, that was that kind of thing where I, I remember, you know, I was getting flashbacks of like all these girls I was hung up on and like one of them, like really liked Buffy or whatever. And at that point I didn't know anything other than, you know, it was a joke movie or whatever. And then I, I remember, I think I, I got her some like dark horse comics or whatever. Cause I knew she liked Buffy or whatever. It was just an excuse to hang out or something like that. And like there, there were other, you know, people that like my, my roommate in college was obsessed with it. And it's like, I probably saw more episodes of Buffy than 
I actually realized I saw just through like osmosis, you know, like just because it was playing on the TV in the background. But like, it's funny to say, but back then it's like, it's like if it was something that he liked that I didn't, it was like, I, I, I had a really, I don't know, you, 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 uh, you know, I don't know. It's been a long time since I lived with a roommate, but there was, there was that way I could sort of turn that off in a weird way. Like where it was like, I mean, my distinct memory is watching Scream 2 and chuckling when Sarah Michelle Gellar gets, like, murdered by Ghostface or whatever and, like, going, like, see, this is what a Buffy episode should be like. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think I had that context of, like, she has superpowers and she she's stronger than the average person and she's, she's specifically designed to, you know, basically destroy vampires and demons and all this other stuff. And and so to me, it just looked like, you know, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a young actress girl kicking ass when it was, you know, totally unrealistic. Whereas I think to most, uh, you know, women viewers at the point, she she had superpowers. It was she was very much like a I don't know, like a Wonder Woman archetype that they were drawn to that that meant a lot to um, to you know, the, the viewership or whatever at the time. And I don't, I don't think I, I, you know, I, I don't, I just don't think I was, I paid enough attention to it to realize that. So like, for me, it's, it's interesting because I don't think I came to watching Buffy, like seriously watching it until like way, way later, which we'll probably talk about again in the second half of the episode. But, uh, you know, this was something that I sort of probably, maybe watched through osmosis and didn't know anything about at the time. And then probably eventually came back to, and, you know, like marathons or reruns or DVD sets or whatever it was. And, and, and it had enough context to appreciate and understand the, the world bending events of it, you know, in, in hindsight or whatever, but, but it, it definitely wasn't something that I, I don't know that I guess I watched in real time and, and understood or, or knew about or anything like that. And, and, and I think, you know, some of this too is like one of those, it's, it's ongoing, you know, soap opera. I mean, you can pick up on why things happen the way they do in this episode, but I think it, it also helps, right. The, the comic booky aspect or the soap opera aspect, it, it helps if you've seen the previous episode where this all breaks down, right? And 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 is the springboard for for why the the wish happens. And and then con, you know, conversely, like if you kind of came to Buffy later, like I did, when Anya was like a main character, it's kind of weird to go back to this and go, oh yeah, like Justin's saying, she's kind of just this one-off, big bad, throwaway character that Giles sort of defeats do you know what i mean and it's like it's it's it is kind of fascinating you know how you guys say the the character uh you know or or even multiple characters right they they they're they're kind of like little bit players and then and then they they have a certain you know uh you know attraction or whatever they they continue to bring them back and expand on those characters and then before you know it they're full-blown you know uh recurring cast members and everything and so that's that's kind of fun and fascinating to to go back and see sort of where they hailed from their origins and everything 
I think I will say, like, definitely if they had taken the Buffy movie and if they had stayed true to, like, how Hollywood had, you know, processed it and quote-unquote refined it, if they took how they did that movie and made it a show, it wouldn't have had legs. Like, it, it would not have lasted as many seasons as it did. And I, I think, like, for me, the defining difference... I don't have any problem with Christy Swanson. She's a very she was a very attractive young lady. She played the role fine. There was nothing wrong with her her performance. But I think like you know like you said in the Buffy movie, it was like I'm a cheerleader, hee hee, and then but I have an edge, tee hee. But like in the Buffy show, it's like I'm Buffy. I'm kind of a girly girl, and I like you know being pretty, tee hee. But I have an edge. No, seriously, I have a fucking edge. And, like, you you bought that from Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, when Buffy was serious, she was fucking serious. And I think that really helped sell the show. It was like, the comedy was where the comedy should be, and the seriousness was where the seriousness should be. And it, they had a really good blend at certain times. Sometimes they would have the comedy and, and, and seriousness kind of feed into each other and then take off in other directions. But when it was time to be serious, it was really serious. And when it was time for like a lighthearted moment, they 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 totally ran with it. And somehow they were able to get that perfect balance. Whereas, like you said, the movie, I think, definitely leaned heavily more into like, look, it's a valley girl and she's a, a vampire slayer. Isn't that cuckoo nuts, you know, banana pants? Whereas the show, they really tried to develop a lore and and give you a reason to root for Buffy, I think. Justin, did you watch Buffy on its original broadcast? I did, up to the end of season five, and then it switched to UPN, and my UPN station, poof, went away. Do you remember, I think, like, during season three, and I, I pretty much remember this, is, like, they delayed multiple episodes because of, like, uh, the Columbine yes. shooting. Like, I remember being pissed off about that, like... I, I do too. I remember my mom was like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you should be watching this anymore." I remember yeah. like they, they, everyone was pissed because they like delayed the season finale by like uh-huh. a month or two. Yeah, so. Yep. I remember those times. What is what does that have to do with vampires and Sunnydale? <laughs> I don't know. I, it was like it was violence in a, in a school, which is like you know <laughs> remotely related, I guess. I also remember. This is back in the like you know early days of the internet. I feel like, and you couldn't. Sometimes it was hard to get solid information, and the only thing I could find out was that episode. Um, Earshot is the one you know where what's his name? Oh, he, they think Jonathan, he's gonna yeah. yeah Jonathan. They think he's gonna shoot up the school, but really he wants to kill himself. They kept saying, "Oh, it's gonna be aired at some point. We just don't know when." And I could never find out when that was going to be aired, so the only thing I could do was, like, flip it over every Tuesday, and I'm like, oh, this is this episode, this is the band candy episode, or this is the, the Halloween costume episode. Like, it's not it's not the one I haven't seen, so I'm just going to, you know, tune out. But I'm just like, man, when is that episode going to air? I, I feel like they held it back until, like, beginning of august or something like it, it was it was still like a month or two away from like yeah, the season premiere uh-huh. but i was like oh this is it like i don't i don't recognize you know any of the what's going on in this episode this is it yeah i think i i, I saw on the internet oh it's supposed to air this week and i was like finally like yeah 
So we finished talking about the wish or yeah, we yes. can move on. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, after we come back from a uh, commercial break, we're going to be discussing the uh, once more with feeling in the second half. So stay tuned. In a city where corruption rules the streets, only one man can stop the serial killer known as the Blood Bandit. James Kurt, a former police officer turned private investigator, must race against the clock to stop the madman before he achieves his ultimate diabolical goal. When JK's brother Alex is thought killed in the line of duty and mysteriously returns with no memory of his past life, the stakes are raised even higher. Enigma, the comic book series from Quad M Productions, written and illustrated by TJ Damon, with colors and effects by Jason Vickers. Enigma, order your copy at quadmproductions.com today. All right, so we're back, and we're here in the second half of this show. We're going to be discussing the musical episode of Buffy titled Once More with Feeling. I actually didn't like the uh, Buffy-verse wiki synopsis, so I've stolen the IMDb synopsis, which is, In this musical extravaganza, Sunnydale residents find themselves bursting into song and flame when a demon attempts to make Dawn his bride. And uh, this was written and directed by Joss Whedon, of course. Its air date was November 6, 2001, which, of course, plays head games with me, like I frequently like to mention. Um, uh, it's, it's weird because, I guess, unlike most of you guys, I, I think this is my Buffy origin story or Buffy origin episode, at least for TV, or at least it feels like it, because everything I've said before is true. Like, I watched the Christy Swanson movie, you know, and sort of forgot about it. I knew that Buffy existed because of all these, uh, you know, female acquaintances in my life. But it was still kind of that Christy Swanson joke to me, you know, like I, I feel like in 1999 and 2000 and, and before then, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the air, but and it's not much of a story, but it's just. You know, it it was a joke. Like like we we would we would go down to the comic store every Wednesday and be these you know weekly Wednesday warriors. And I I got I got my buddy who was a uh, uh, I guess a uh, what do you call it a lapsed X Men reader to go back and catch up on all his X Men back issues. And then he'd start coming you know with me occasionally on Wednesdays and get new X-Men comics and this and that and one of the things that was a private joke between me and him we'd always laugh about is they had those you know Dark Horse I think it was Dark Horse at the time those Angel comics and we'd, we'd yuck it up because you know the Buffy and Angel comics would have these you know these glam shots these 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 glam headshots of all the lead actors instead of a drawn cover you know and so we'd always laugh about that and I, I remember this one birthday they they took me down to this one i it was like it was this bar but it used to be a fire station and it got converted into a bar or something like that like it was this weird thing in the middle of LA and and the reason why it stands out so much is uh, this this one girl who I was hung up on at the time that like directly ties into this once more with feeling stuff was was there and I got so 
fucked up she drove me home right like and 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 all this other stuff so th- there was that but the 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 tie-in to buffy specifically or angels i guess maybe was to to sort of illustrate how much this was n- not on my radar at the time or how much it was kind of a joke to me at the time was he bought me the david boreanaz angel variant cover like, like not, not as in like, oh boy, like you're going to really like this. It was more like as a, like, you know, like a joke. Do you know what I mean? It was like a haha, like, like, a, you know, it's like, look at that guy doing his smoldering eyes on the cover. Like I bought this for you, like as a gag, you know, or whatever. And so like, that's, that's kind of where, where that was at, like where I was coming from with it. But as uh, I don't know, as I've repeatedly sort of stated the you know my background right i was i was i was doing theater at loyola marymount i i did a bunch of high school plays like that was i was trying to be an actor like you know so so i i had all that in my background and i had that sense of appreciation for musical theater and and that kind of stuff that was sort of ingrained into me throughout you know that that whole kind of experience and I went to San Diego Comic-Con, and this is where the dates, like, play with my mind. Because I, I swear I went to, like, San Diego Comic-Con in 2000 and 2002, and I thought that was it. But maybe, because I, I feel like I still have the badges from those. But I must have gone in 2001 as well, because this aired in 2001, and my specific memory is of this. This was, like, before Hall H was, like, a big pain in the ass to get into, and it... it, 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 it it was crowded, like, don't get me wrong, but it was, it was, it was something where I lived in LA, I could take two and a half hours to drive down to San Diego, I could still find parking, I could walk in without having bought a ticket and buy a ticket, and then run around and like get autographs from people and buy a bunch of 25 cent comics and do whatever I wanted. That's, that's what I did at San Diego Comic-Con, like, and, 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 and then, you know, have time to go to these panels. And I think if, based on the dates, if I line it up properly, I think the way I always used to tell the story was I was there to see Spider-Man and Sam Raimi or something like that, like one of those panels. And then I ended up sitting in on the panel that was right before it because that was the trick in the old days like you went to the panel that nobody gave a shit about Buffy and then the panel that was right after that was the big panel that everybody wanted to go to and instead of exiting with all the other people you just stayed there and and got to you know see see the the the, the panel that you actually wanted to see but I think I, I mean based on the dates I think what I was really there to see was the the Bruce Tim like Justice League panel because that would have lined up right like this once more with feeling aired November six two thousand one and I think the the Justice League show aired like you know the same year right like maybe not November maybe it was October or whatever but basically that summer of two thousand one they would have been promoting Buffy and and um, Justice League on the Cartoon Network so I think what I was there for was I was like, oh, I'll go to this Buffy panel nobody gives a shit about and sit through it. And then I'll have like a not really nice seat for the Justice League panel, which I think is going to be a pain in the ass. And I'd have to, you know, wait in a big line to get into. And it worked out fine. Like I, I, I sat in and I 
you know, listen to this panel. And then, of course, I got to see the Justice League panel and, you know, everything was hunky dory in the in the whatever it was like 20 something Derek's world. Uh, but I listened to the panel and Whedon was there and and he kept pitching and kept talking about he's like, we got this we got this really great musical episode we did like it's going to be fantastic. Like we got, we got this musical episode and it's going to be the bomb. And 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 and, you know, they were making people laugh and jokes and whatever. And I saw all these people seem to really be into it. And, and it just planted that idea in my head like, oh, there's going to be this really cool musical episode like I should check that out. And I might have even watched like one or two episodes from season six before I saw the musical episode, just waiting for that musical episode to show up or whatever, you know. And 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 then when it finally did, I watched it. I, I really, really liked it. And I think that's what, you know, and, and again, I say I'm kind of the opposite to most, I don't know, fans or whatever. Like, that's what sort of lit the fire under my ass to go back and go, oh, yeah, I sort of remembered like not paying attention to this show, you know, when my roommate was watching it and sort of not paying attention to it. And so I think at that point I went and they were doing those marathons on FX for like Thanksgiving or whatever it was. It was like a, you know, a Buffy-a-thon or whatever the fuck. And so I went and started to try to like really watch the episodes and really understand like what it was all about. And I think that's when it kind of clicked for me, like, oh, wait, Buffy has super strength. She's fighting demons. She's fighting vampires. Like, oh, OK, like this makes more sense to me now. And and then, you know, and then I got the DVD sets, like Tony said, that were really expensive. I still have the fucking DVD sets. So, by the way, I, you know, the the existing DVD sets like for this, like it, this was shot in widescreen, but it's it's like it's like letterboxed and cropped so so this is one of those things where you put in the dvd and it's got black bores on the left and the right and the bottom and the top because it's not anamorphic and as far as my understanding like most of the transfers to like blu-rays for this show are atrocious because all the special effects were shot in standard definitions so then when they blow them up they look really bad um and i think that's also a problem with like the early seasons of smallville as well so that's kind of uh, a shame um but uh i guess we were talking about this before the show i haven't seen this in like 15 years and i was trying to figure out a way to not be uh modeling about it but like I, uh, this is this is the i don't know i i was trying to figure out how to say this but like you know you know um cisco and deep space nine and the pilot and the whole like you exist here moment where he's He's, you know, and, and, and the, 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 you know, the wormhole aliens, the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the prophets, they're like confused because it's like he keeps saying he doesn't exist at the moment of his wife's death, but he keeps coming back to it and he keeps coming back to it and he keeps coming back to it. And finally, he has to own up to the fact that he's like, you're right. I exist here. Like, I haven't, I haven't gotten past this yet or whatever. And like, this was like something I used as like a like an acting tool or a training tool or a, I, I you know I don't I don't know how to you know it, it it was something where you know there's 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 things you can do to get to certain places that you have to go for certain roles and usually it's referred to as emotional recall and it doesn't really matter what it is that 
triggers you to get there. But I kind of used this and certain things, you know, uh, certain songs and music and things like that. And this was one of them that would help me get to certain places. And uh, that's probably why I haven't watched this or seen this in a long time. And and I watched it and I enjoyed it and I've always enjoyed this. I think it's it's masterful. Like there's a reason why it was probably like nominated for an Emmy and 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 I I like all the songs in it and I I feel like again this this speaks to my uh you know I don't know wh whatever I was calling them my my turmoil twenties my terrible twenties like what whatever it is I I mean kind of like Justin saying he. He saw a lot of himself in in Xander at the time or whatever. I mean, I feel like, you know, the 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 type of women that I was attracted to, the type of things that I felt like I was playing second fiddle to like old boyfriends and all this other stuff, you know, just made me kind of, you know, identify with with Spike, you know, the the I, you know, I hope she fries. I'm free if this bitch dies. Oh, I better go help her out. You know, like that whole turn on a dime thing, like that was always, you know, at the forefront of my mind and everything. So like that's the, uh, you know, I mean, it, again, it's it's always been difficult to me to talk about music and songs and everything. But I do. I mean, this was this was part of my playlist for the longest time. It's it, and again, it's it, it's something I think that, um, you know, like Buffy getting kicked out of heaven being the the sort of um reveal to the cast like the 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 climax of the the musical numbers and everything like that like i think that's it was funny i was you know revisiting this and i i kind of pretty much like you know the, the i guess i'll call it the conditioning i gave myself for this like you know to to help me get to certain emotional uh, places of wreckage, you know, to sort of uh, display that on, on a stage in front of a bunch of people. Like, it's still held up, ironically. Um, so so it, it still impacted me the same way. Um, but it took a while to get there. And I think that was like one of those key moments, you know, the, the whole her being kicked out of heaven and like feeling like uh, she had to hide that from everyone, you know, like to, to maintain a a strong front and um i don't know anyway uh hopefully it's not like super maudlin or anything but this this does hit me on a like super personal level and it's something that i sort of used and 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 i guess maybe that's a reason why i don't revisit it that often but um you know uh it's 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 certainly uh uh you know if anything's a good reason to to get into buffy and and check everything out like I did. I mean, it, it certainly uh, inspired me to to do that here and, and watch the series properly. I know like one thing that's been, <clears throat> I don't know if, if Buffy's the reason for it. I think it was actually Drew Carey, so, you know, fuck him. But at some point, it seems like a lot of shows started doing musical episodes. Uh, we just had one not too long ago with uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And the thing about it is, is I myself don't have a problem with the idea or the concept of doing something that as a musical that you normally wouldn't think of it as, but it's really hard to get like, right. Because if, if 
it leans too heavy into the musical, you're like, well, that's a little cheesy. And if it's like a serious show, it could come off as really, you know, kind of kitschy and, and, you know, not good, basically. But since Buffy already had humor in it and, and some very sharp humor, and it does deal with ma- magical and mystical like stuff as part of its, you know, basic premise. The idea of a demon making everybody sing and dance and, you know, turn into Broadway like, you know, actors almost until they explode. That makes sense, I guess. I don't know. And not only that, but like another thing about some musicals is the songs just aren't that great. They're just kind of like. They're there and they they either help move the plot along or they mean nothing. Every single song in this special like episode means something to the plot or something about the characters and none of it's like off character as far as how they would be it's 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 amazing how well the songs are written like that's one thing that i would say they don't get enough credit on but i i think they do i think this episode gets a lot of credit for being a successful musical well, you know me, I'm not much of a fan of musicals, but I did like this, but I think I was, I liked it because I was a fan of Buffy and like, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll give it, you know, I'll, I'll give anything a try. And like, yeah, like, I mean, it, all the songs are great. Like, I think, you know, the, the whole premise of the episode is good. Like, you know, the, the conclusion, like, I think, I don't remember exactly what I suspected or like expected of what was wrong with Buffy basically. Cause you know, she, ever since she had been resurrected, you know, I, I figured she just had some kind of PTSD or something. And when they revealed that, like, you know, Oh, she was in heaven. Like that I was like, Oh yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna like F people up when they, you know, figure that out. And you know, they, it gets aired out in this episode and, you know, you, you like you see Willow like break up into tears. Cause like, and everyone's kind of devastated, like, cause they were, they were only trying to help her. They were only trying to get her back and they like caused her a lot of pain. So like, you know, that was a very effective moment and, you know, her and Spike again, like they, they'd been, you know, it, it, her and they, I, I always felt like they were trying to like, well, it took me a long time to like, get behind like Buffy and Spike as a couple kind of because like, you know, I I felt like they were trying to replace Angel basically. And, you know, like, I don't know, Spike was always better to me as like a almost like a comedy relief character because that's kind of what he was in season four. And like eventually, like I got behind it, but like you know, I, I think this like this season, it, it like he he stops acting like a comic comedy relief character, even though he does have some funny moments and starts being like a, you know, he goes on his own like kind of character journey. But uh, yeah, like I mean, this was a good like you know, a very unique. Like I feel like I hadn't seen a lot of like musicals in you know, aside from the Simpsons, like sort of episodes of TV shows masquerading as musicals, basically. So like, you know, this is, this was at the time, it was still fairly new and fresh. So yeah, like, I mean, I, I like this episode. It's not one of my favorites, but like, you know, I, I definitely see why it's like so beloved and everything. Well, this is one of my favorite episodes. And I mean, to Mike, I, I'm not a big fan of musicals either so when i heard about this i was like i don't think i'm gonna enjoy that so when i was watching uh season six and i got to this episode i was like oh it's this episode well here we go 
and I loved it. I thought it was great. Like I like almost every song I think is really great. I bought the soundtrack. And I listened to that over and over. One of the things I really like about this episode is it's not just hitting the brakes and doing a musical episode. Like this, this is a big episode and it draws multiple story threads further into development. Like, even the thing with Dawn stealing, like that had been kind of going on for a while, but they kind of like put that out there. And I mean, I feel like they deal with that maybe a little bit later on in the season because it's not really that important. But even that gets picked up here. I mean, the whole impetus for like the singing and dancing is Xander is so anxious and unsure about getting married that he's like, oh, we'll just do this singing and dancing thing and we'll get all of our emotions and our secrets out there and we'll we'll know what to do and it doesn't go that way and it totally doesn't go that way for xander and uh, anya unfortunately and then like you said the whole like buffy getting kicked out of heaven um that's exposed and not only that but like her budding interest with spike her, you know it it develops so Oddly, I, I don't know. Like I, I was so against Riley in season four. Like I just, I just did not like that guy. Something about him just didn't feel right for, for Buffy. So when he finally like you know fucked off and never came back, I was like, thank God. So I think I think I was ready to embrace anyone else um, as Buffy's love interest in that at that point. So I was like, okay. I see where you're going, show. Like you're definitely pushing the spike Buffy romance. All right, I'll I'll give it the old college try. And then um, the other story three we're picking up here is um, Willow and Tara. And I mean, I don't know. I really like Tara's song, but uh, knowing how everything ends, like it kind of makes it like bittersweet but like that that's such a great song and sequence like it kind of i i don't know it it feels like a gay disney song if that makes sense and like i, I even like the part of it at the beginning like it always makes me laugh you know there's like you know derek always talks about yellow tights you're a dick you hear it once you never laugh again the thing that always like gets a chuckle out of me is um Willow and Tara are kind of like, I think they're walking along that little like park area and there's these guys that walk by and, you know, they're like, they're, they're checking out Tara. And I mean, who wouldn't, if you saw her wearing that little like tight, you know, corsety thing, but you know, Willow's kind of like, those guys were checking you out and Tara is so flummoxed. And then she makes a joke at it, but she's like, they were checking me out. Like I'm cured. I want the boys. And, you know, she kind of like uh, jokingly acts like she's going to run off with the boys, but I, I don't know. Something about that always gets a giggle out of me, but like, I love their song. Um, Spike's song I think is great. And that also like furthers the whole, like, you know, here's the bad guy who's in love with the girl that he previously hated and wanted to kill. And now he's like, like he's wrestling with that walk through the fire like i think that's great and then i think maybe my favorite song is um 
Buffy's song at the end, something to sing about. I don't know, something about that, like what she's singing and um, how she's like moving around and dancing. Like, I don't know, like I, I always go back and forth in my head, like w- which which of these songs is my favorite. But I think it I think it comes down to like Walk Through the Fire and something to sing about. Like those really hit for me. But then, you know, I also really like, you know, Spike's song and Tara's Under Your Spell. Like, I, th- I think those are great. Yeah, I could probably sit here and like gush about this all night. Like, like I said, like I just watched this and the whole series last year, but you know, I was more than happy to sit down and watch this because this is one of my favorite episodes. And you know, when we were kind of kicking around, like, you know, what are we gonna do for this episode? Are we gonna each bring an uh, an episode and talk about it? And I was like, well, we're probably all gonna like want to pick this right like i guess you know mike didn't i didn't really know that but i was like why don't we just talk about once more with feeling and make that an episode because i think i think we all like that you know to some degree or you know we're gonna pick it or maybe me and tony would pick it and you know mike and Derek would pick some other thing but but yeah like i i don't think i would have picked i mean honestly when we when we started talking about this i mean like that that's why I was saying I was trying not to be maudlin about it, but this is the most like of of all Buffy episodes. This this is the most important to me. Like like I mean, if I'm gonna apply some level yeah. of importance, because this this is post nine eleven. This is like the beginning of my fucked up 20s like i i don't i don't and 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 i don't and and it's not it's not something like i'm not trying to put a spin on it i'm not trying to be like watch many about it and say like i have some kind of uh twisted fondness or nostalgia for it like i don't ever want to get back to like like the reason why i brought up the cisco thing is i don't ever want to exist there again you know what I mean? And maybe for like 15 minutes today, I did exist there. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like that, that, that's that thing that like, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's something like, like this is like important because it's like a rite of passage or something. I don't know. Like that, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, I, and then I feel like it's funny. Cause I feel like when you talk about like songs and which songs you like, I feel like it makes me go into like, when I saw this and I was viewing it not as a Buffy fan, but just somebody who was like, oh, I appreciate musical theater. Like, what do I think of this? And it's like, to me, like my initial take on it is that the people I thought that sang really well or were really equipped for musical theater were like Emma Caulfield, Anthony Head, Amber Benson. Like they were all like, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, well, I, I, I don't know if they were triple threats because I don't know how much dancing Amber and Anthony did, but like Emma Caulfield, like it's like a triple threat, right? Like she, yeah. she, she can act her ass off. She can fucking dance her ass off. She could sing her ass off. She did a fucking number with Nicholas Brendan and made him look good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it, it, there's no fucking question, like how good she was in this. Um, you know, Marsters had a band, so like he brought that kind of, uh, you know, punk rock energy to the song, like that whole kind of thing. Um, I almost think, I mean, it's kind of a toss up for me, but 
if I was, you know, for me, I'd, I'd give it like this caveat, like the best male singer, I think, in this whole cast is Anthony Head. Like, 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 I, I don't know that his song is like the best song or whatever in yeah. the piece, but like that, like his delivery of it is the best in the whole show to me you know what i mean i mean aside from maybe amber benson who i'd say is arguably the best female singer in in the whole bunch right like and so it's like those you know i don't know like that that's just me kind of going through my my inner personal rankings of it or whatever but again like like you know again for me it's i I always feel like I have this roadblock with with talking about songs. I can tell I you that it yeah. that it means a lot to me that that the the uh, you know that 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 it was something I effectively conditioned myself with and used as a trigger so that I could fucking become an emotional wreck on stage in front of a bunch of people. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's literally what I used it for, and and that. That kind of stuff, I don't think is, um, uh, I don't know. It's, it, 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 I don't know. I guess to everybody, they, they'd have their own unique way of doing it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and a lot of times, like, I think music is, is, uh, is something that is, um, easily accessible to help you reach certain places you know like like that that i mean i i saw people do it in different ways like i would see like people i was working with you know they'd have their little playlists of of songs to get them somewhere or whatever it was and i i think i picked up on that and kind of went oh okay well how how do i uh apply that to my own technique and then you know this was something i think um i mean i've, I've probably mentioned this to you but the 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 part of my terrible twenties, which was something was, you know, the, the aspect that I think applies most to, uh, Buffy's song, you know, like walking through the fire, you know, and, and, and the, um, you know, give me something to sing about. Like the key of that, I think is that, uh, they don't care about living anymore. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think I was definitely, in in a headspace like that for a long time you know and then and then the 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 thing that i think uh wraps it up the way that spike saves her you know is like i almost feel like i needed 20 years of living to acknowledge the wisdom in that you know he he says life's not a song life's not a game life's only this it's just living you have to go on living you know and and that's uh, I mean, I feel like that's, you know, I'm proof of that, right? Like there have been so many times where I've been in a headspace, you know, like, and I think, I think I've, uh, you know, luckily, I guess I've fought through all that because I'm still here, right? So, so, uh, you know, I didn't go fuck off and die, right? So, so basically, I guess what I'm saying is that the, um, you know, I, I, I think there there's some stuff about it that's uh that's certainly of an age of an era of you know some something that's that that can be um you can be indulgent in your depression with it but um but I guess to me I'm just fond of it because I view it as uh, a rite of passage that I've overcome and something that I 
um, you know, the, I guess, I guess, you know, I, I, maybe I can proudly say like to the prophet aliens, like I do not exist here anymore. You know what I mean? And, and so, so I guess, I guess there's, there's that to be said about it as well, but that doesn't negate my appreciation for the artistic endeavor that was this episode. You know, I, I, you know, me and Justin and you have all gushed about the songs. Even Mike, you know, even if it's not his favorite episode, he said, you know, the the music is just really good. Um, well, one thing I really wanted to uh, kind of uh, give a big, you know, I don't know if you call it a shout out or whatever, but uh, the the gentleman who plays the genie, like, he's not only a good villain, and Buffy has so many good villains. I mean, that that's kind of one of their uh, strong points is they they typically have very strong villains every season but the genie he's he's not a big bad he's he's a villain of the week but you know his episode uncovers a lot of truths about the characters and not only that but the way that he plays them he's very suave he's he's got a diabolical side but he's also like honorable like they beat him at his own game he kind of gets his chuckles out of it, but he's like, all right, you guys win. I'll see you next time. And it's it's definitely that, like, you know, I don't know. It's like he he's he's a he's like a, a character I would like to have seen come back in some shape or form. He might he might come back in the books or the comics, I'm not sure. I I, I love a villain who is is bad. He's doing a bad thing. I mean, he wants to marry a teenage girl. Um <laughs> But at the same time, the performance is so suave and he's so just dripping with like showmanship that he's he's likable at the same time. I mean, I, I, that's how I felt about the character. Yeah, actually, I guess I guess that's that's a fair enough point is not to overlook uh, the actor's name is Hinton Battle. But like he he obviously is uh, is uh, a wonderful singer as well. So because that I mean. I, I think I think some of these guys are definitely, I guess, as um, I, I, I keep going back to stupid interview that was given, uh, I think, in terms of natural born killers, where I think Oliver Stone was giving. Um, was it I'm trying to remember who it was. I think maybe it was like Robert Downey Jr. crap or whatever. Like like it was like, oh, I got this table and I got these solid legs like I don't want you to be the wobbly leg on my fucking table. You know, basically, and it's like, it, I guess all, all I'm getting at is, um, you know, uh, the demon sweet is is not the wobbly leg, right? <laughs> like, for sure. I mean, if anybody's a wobbly leg, it's fucking Xander. Sorry, Justin. But, um, but that's yeah, okay. like, that's, uh, that's uh, I mean, you know, the, you know, it's interesting. Like, he, I mean, I guess they tried, they, they tried to work to his strengths, you know, in this, but it's like he, 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 he probably was put upon, I would argue, the most in this, in this episode, because I don't think he's really built for it. But, um, but I mean, it, it, I, I think pairing him with Emma Caulfield was probably the smartest thing they could have possibly, you know what I mean? Like that, it's kind of like what, what Mike is saying, like, like you, you like him better, you know what I mean? Because she's, she she's kind of uh, paired with them, right? Like one of my favorite lines that still makes me chuckle is is during his uh, his song, and he's like, uh, "How does it go? Um, you're the cutest of the Scoobies with your uh, 
What is it? Now? Lip, lips as red as rubies. And you're from your time embrace. embrace. Yeah. yeah. I always get to chuckle out of me. If we're talking about favorite uh, lines and moments, one of the ones I really like, I, I of course like the one where Willow just kind of peeps because uh, Allison Hannigan was not competent in her singing voice. So she was just like, she opted out basically. She was like, I'll act, but I'm not going to sing. I like that. But I also really love the part where Spike is uh, defiantly going to go save Buffy. And he's like, you know, first I'm going to save her, then I'm going to kill her. No, then I'm, well, first I'm going to rip her heart out, then I'll save her. And he's like, <laughs> he's so conflicted. He doesn't even know if he's going to kill her first or save her because he's so, uh, He's so tormented by like his his affection for her now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like that was like my favorite where he talks about you know I hope she fries I'm free if that bitch dies and then he's like I better help her out like that turning on a, a dime is um is pretty well done. Yeah, like like uh, what Mike was saying about he he likes his spike being more comedic. I I would really go pretty far to say that like this is one of the episodes there's a couple there's you know uh there's always that you know uh iconic image of him draped over the cross smoking um you know because he he's trying to be a a real boy not a not a, a vampire anymore and that that's pretty you know well known but like in this episode because of the singing because of how they pretty much just like the the demon songs pull out all these emotions and all these truths from the characters like you really do feel for spike because like at first you know it, it was part of spike's plan he was gonna like make buffy like him you know and he or he just wanted her for like you know uh, a sexual like gratification thing he was very much you know being typical spike but at some point he really started to care for her and he was like what the fuck is wrong with me? Why do I care about this girl who wants to kill me? But does she want to kill? I don't know what the fuck is going And like with his songs and the way that they were written, like this is one of those episodes where you really do get a, a, a more levels to Spike, you know? And I, I liked it myself. I, I like Spike being funny. James Marsters is got a wonderfully like, you know, perfect, sarcastic delivery like he he he's right up there with like buffy as far as trading quips but like he's also a really good actor and seeing him being tortured and and you know like you said you know one minute wanting to kill buffy and the next minute you know like oh i guess i better save her you know you see that 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 noble side to him that's really simmering and it just pisses him off even more Where do we go from here? <laughs> the battle's done and we kind of won. Anyway. This is my verse, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I also to say, I also did love the ending, like not just with the song and like the, you know, where like, you know, Spike, you know, and Buffy like basically like are like, we're done with each other. This is over. And then they're like kissing, you know, and then they have that nice closing of the curtain. And like, you know, I don't know. It, it, uh, I just, just how they did everything from the beginning too. like, I, I guess that's why this works as a musical. Cause it seems to me like they were working on it being a musical first and they wanted it to work as a musical. And then they made sure that all the story parts happened. So like, 
it just it just flows so well. Like you like you were saying, Derek, like the way they produced it, all the effort, it just it's it's so well fucking done. And it's it's one of those things that's often imitated, but it's never been done this well in any of the other show. You know, you you brought up Strange New Worlds and that was a fun episode, but anytime a show is gonna do a musical and it's not a musical television show like Glee or whatever, like it's 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 gonna be measured against this no matter what it is. And I like that Strange New Worlds episode, but it 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 can't hold a candle to this. Like it the songs in that are not really that memorable. And it, I don't think it really does much to advance any of those character plot threads that have been going in and out of that season or anything like it it's fine it's entertaining and i liked it but compared to this like it like it's it doesn't even exist yeah i i i have no experience with the strange new worlds thing but uh having you having said that sort of reminded me that one of the more recent riverdales was kind of basically akin to a musical episode mm. and again okay. the same i i, I mean the same thing though i mean it doesn't doesn't hold you know there's something there's something about that where i i think you know like tony brought it up the fact that you know it's kind of like that verisimilitude of like oh well yes they're all singing and yes we're going to acknowledge that your average audience member who has no appreciation for musical theater is going to think musical theater is kind of ridiculous but as part of our plot point you know as part of our you know uh, purview you know we're, we're just gonna say hey look uh th this is this is uh a musical demon you know that they're, they're being compelled they don't they don't want to do this but they're sort of they're 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 basically being forced to do this and that that that's something that i i think is not necessarily the easiest thing to play but but a lot of those actors and actresses were so talented you know the 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 you know the the, the beginning of spike song you know it's great yeah. because because he's like oh fuck i'm doing this now god damn it i'm doing <laughs> yeah. this and i can't not do it you know what he's i mean he's so perturbed like, yeah it's like it's it, it, and and the the you know the, those aspects to it you know that that lends credulity right to where you know in in certain cases you know Anthony Head has a whole entire musical number, and then Buffy's like, "Were you saying something? Did you say something?" Like, because she can't hear any of that, but he he has to get it all out. You know what I mean? And and so there's the, the, all that kind of stuff. I think you know it, it makes you know I, I think Buffy was uniquely positioned to pull that off. Whereas like like you're saying with a lot of other stuff, I mean I, I don't know what the the enterprise or the uh, Strange New Worlds thing was, you know, I don't know if it was like an alien spore that made them all sing or whatever the fuck, but, you know, or, or maybe there wasn't any reason for it. I don't know. You know, I, I can't even remember if there was a reason in the Riverdale thing. I think they were like, I, I want to say like uh, they were writing a musical. So because they were writing a musical for the school, then the whole episode was a musical, you know, like to sort of reflect that, um, which didn't really work either you know so like that's 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 one of those things where you know it's like uh, you know maybe many have tried but uh, most have failed to to recapture the lightning in the bottle that this was i i think or or even even if you're if you're kind of you know leaning towards mike where it's maybe not your favorite buffy episode 
at bare minimum, I mean, I, I, I don't know that you can point to a, a better TV musical episode, I feel like. So, well, I think I think that's it, right? I think we said our piece on Once More With Feeling. So if you guys have any other comments, questions, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. You can even sing us a song and send it in a WAV file if you like. And we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And uh, we can be found on all the... I feel like that's a lie. Like, I feel like when you say you, you can... We can be found on all your favorite podcatchers. Because that's not true. We're not really on all their favorite podcasts. Let's just say you can find us wherever podcasts are available. You, you, but that's not true. But you can find us wherever podcasts are available. I got even though you might, even though you might not find us at yeah, some I of guess, those places. I, I guess Google Podcasts is ending. It's getting like folded into like Pandora or something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's gonna, yeah. 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 So anyway, I'm tired. I'm tired of saying all this nonsense anyway. So uh, until the next time, this is Derek. Derek WC signing off. It's Mike. Bugger this. This is Justin. I'm cured. I'm with the boys. Hey, uh, night guys. I'm Tony. That's the end of the show. And I hope it didn't blow. I'm asking you, please no. It isn't right. It isn't fair. It's probably there was the... no parking anywhere. Why can't you let it go? I paid more than my share. It's probably the fire the hydrant I, I, wasn't there. I uh, I I uh, identified with the most when Spike's like bugger this and walks bugger out. This. <laughs> We didn't mention David Fury as the mustard man. They got the mustard out. They They got got the mustard out.